Welcome to a bonus series on the Life Giver Podcast. Made possible by the USO, these bonus episodes are from a monthly series called You're Leaving Again, where the USO is following Matt and I during our deployment, and we are sharing our authentic story with you. Whether you're going through your own deployment, our geo-batching, on an unaccompanied tour, or maybe getting ready to, this series aims to be the first of its kind. Real life, gritty, but resourceful content aimed to help you keep your marriage and family strong while you're apart. So whether you're a military spouse or a service member, this series is for you. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, or head outside for a walk and listen in as Matt and I share what we are learning apart with you. Hey, everybody. Uh, Matt is not here with me right now for obvious reasons. Um, If you've been following um, last month's uh, webinar that we did, we talked about the tension before you go. If you guys have not watched that, I would encourage you to go back to the USO dashboard for this series and you'll see um, we talked about all the ups and downs and all the emotions that you go through before you rip the band-aid which is what we're going to talk about today so obviously the band-aid has been ripped and uh, Matt is en route and so he's not in a place where he can join us today but especially if you are a service member or if you're a spouse that was really looking forward to hearing Matt's perspective I'm going to be sharing some of the notes and some of the things that he wanted to relay today Um, he'll join us for that next one and we're going to make sure that this is just as much for everybody watching and this is for um, the service member it's also for the spouse this is a family perspective on all of that so Matt and I did lots of talking in the last several weeks um, since the last webinar and I'm really really looking forward to spending some more time with you guys today. So we use that phrase, ripping the band-aids. If you've not heard that phrase before, I had to ask my kids this morning, like, do you guys know what that phrase means? Um, so if you've not gone through that, it's basically this whole idea during, especially pre-deployment, where you do have that tension before you go and you have this roller coaster of emotions, which we're going to review just a little bit. But then you get to this moment where you have to say goodbye, whether you're saying goodbye before you're choosing to do that geo batch and having to travel and say, this is it. Like, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, But it's that moment of just like, I think in the military community, we use that phrase a lot. How many of you guys have used it, right? Where you go, all right, I've had all these emotions for so long. It's dragging out and let's just get it over with. Like, let's just get the goodbye over with. And I remember in the first deployment, I really felt guilty, I think, for having that feeling, that feeling of like, why I feel bad for wanting to him to just leave. And I don't know if you've, if you need to hear this today, or if you've gone through this today, but I think it's also very normal to have that feeling of like, I almost wish that that we could get this over with sooner. Like, could we say goodbye sooner? Just so the angst, that feeling that you're having on the inside is over faster. Today is not going to be about swimming in the sadness, right? So we all know what that feels like. It is an excruciating moment to say goodbye, to say the least, right? Um, it is a painful thing to go through. And having today's topic be about ripping the Band-Aid is not so much about sitting in that sadness completely and only talking about that. Today's topic is a little bit more about normalizing those emotions, those roller coaster of emotions that you experience beforehand, and then also those emotions as you say goodbye. But then what do we do after that, right? Because I think um, in my first deployment, I would ask the advice of other people and I had varying levels of advice and this is, there's no wrong way to do this. And so I would love to ask from you guys, um, what do you do? Let's talk about before we rip the band-aid. So before we say goodbye, right? Um, what did you do? What were some signs? Let's do this. What are some signs um, that you're overwhelmed and you need to do some level of self-care or um, sanity work for yourself before you say goodbye, right? You have all these overwhelming emotions, um, weeks sometimes even prior, but as you lead up to It can be very easy, I think, um, for the service member to, um, like we talked about in the last webinar, to just kind of start to shift focus towards the mission and start to get excited about it and being ready to just go. I know one of the things I saw with Matt over the last couple of weeks, especially leading up before he left, was like he was really trying to give his all, his 100% here at home because he knew that he was going to have to leave us to kind of have to handle it on his own. And he didn't want us to leave us hanging. Right. So he was trying to 
think about the cars and think about the house. And I saw him almost overworking. And I think every service member has their own routine. If I have any service members that are watching, I would love to know, especially if you've done this before. I see, um, is it Shawnee was saying um, she feels like a pro sometimes um, and that this is definitely the hardest. I don't think there's any such thing of us getting to a place where we suddenly have it all together and we're a pro at it. It's never going to be hard. At least that's what I have mentoring spouses telling me because I get mentoring too. And so I have spouses, well-seasoned couples that tell us, you know, it's not, it's not that it gets easier. It just gets different and we still can learn. And I think what this is about is taking these lessons learned so that we maybe don't have to go through the, the, the same thing every time that we're evolving each time and that we're growing through each time. So if you are a service member Share with me, what is your experience at right before you have to go? Do you see yourself kind of turning towards that mission, trying to think about what your life is going to have to be like in that training or in that geo-batching situation or where you're going to be living or having a different mindset if you have to go to a different country? Some of you are um, doing unaccompanied tours to Korea, like having to put your mind around, I have to live in another country and I'm yet not deployed, right? Like you're trying to make this make sense out of what your life is suddenly going to be like. What do you see yourself doing right before you go? What's happening internally? So I can tell you for Matt, I saw him really overworking almost. There was a point where I was like, I I was like, I know I'm not going to convince you otherwise. I know you're going to do it anyways, which I think was something I learned from the first time. For the first time, I was like, you don't have to do this stop doing it, you know, like, let me take on some things. Um, And there was part of me that wanted to take on the responsibilities as if I was practicing, like getting ready to take care of all of it and somehow taking that off, that load off of his list. And simultaneously, what he was trying to do is set us up for success. And so that in the past turned into um, bright opportunities for conflict because we were both trying to do the same thing. So, um, but this time, what I learned differently this time was being able to um, say, you know, I know I'm not going to be able to stop you. This is part of what you need to do to ready yourself to go is that you can do all of these things with the intention that what he was trying to do was free himself. Like by taking care of us before he left, he was freeing himself to then go saying, I did everything that I could, right? Um, And there was a few things he didn't get to that I had to say, like, even on the drive to go drop him off, like, it's okay. It's okay. Like you did so much. And I noticed this time for me, it was um, a much, that was one thing that helped this time that we did better, that I did better is that I was able to go, um, I was able to leverage gratitude and, and leverage that by saying, Hey, thank you. Like, I know you didn't get to those things, but thank you for setting us up. That meant so much to me. And I feel so much more secure because of what you did. I mean, that means a lot. Um, so instead of me stopping it or was all these things I wish you would be doing or whatever, like there's a lot of things we could be saying, right. That, um, gratitude, I don't, I'm hoping it was helpful to him. I think it was, was definitely helpful for me this time. Um, okay. So Jason says there's so many things, um, going on around in your head, not wanting to leave, feeling guilty for leaving terrible guilt. Yes, absolutely. Um, anxiety of whether everything will be okay. What's work going to be like, will I come home on time? Will I fail? Will I I succeed? So many things. So I want to talk about that Jason here for just a minute, because I think it's really easy to think that since I'm the military spouse that's here today, that we're only going to talk about the spouse perspective. And, and we are going to talk about that, but I think the overall goal of this whole series is to talk about the family and talk about both sides because we want to both do it better, right? So I want to talk about that, Jason, for just a minute and talk about what's going on in that service member because it's so, and there's a lot of service members that don't share that, Jason, that don't actually verbalize out loud all of that push and pull. When I had a chance in 2015 to go travel with the Secretary of Defense, and and it was only for nine days, Um, but I, uh, Matt and I used that trip as an opportunity just for a, a split moment, for like a small window of time to use it as an experiment to go, okay, we're switching roles all of a sudden. He was at home and he was having to receive household goods the day I was leaving. We had just PCS and the timing of all of it could not have been more perfect. So here he was receiving household goods by himself, help by himself, helping the kids transition, 
looking into the new school, all in the nine days that I was going to have to go. And I am the one that's going overseas. I'm the one trying to get all the visas together and envision what we're about to do and what I'm about to see. And, and I'm getting um, requests from the secretary of defense's office on what size um, armor plates I was going to need to wear. Like I was in this place of like, oh my gosh, where am I going? And is this the right decision? And I'm leaving at a time that's like crucial for my kids and my family that I should be there to help. And so we used it as an experiment to switch roles and really sit in the pocket of understanding that for the first time ever and really paying attention to all those feelings. And so I say all of that, Jason, to say um, that I remember Matt telling me, like, pay attention, this push-pull feeling that you're having, this I want to go and I wonder what it's going to be like. And I think it's going to be interesting to see these other countries, to see these other cultures, to see the coalition um, of other countries working with our service members, to see all the brands branches working together. That was exciting. That was something that was really exciting. But I also had this terrible guilt of leaving my family at home during a very vulnerable time. And so it can feel like your head is in a million places at once. And, And so I think for those of you who are service members, you being able to go like it's be able, to be able to express that before you go, to be able to go, I, I want to be here so bad and I hate that I'm leaving. And if that's hard to say, because for most of you, probably for all of you, tears well up, right? And it makes you so vulnerable to allow yourself to sit in that pocket. And I know there were so many times over the last couple of weeks, Matt would tear up and then I would tear up and then we're like, no, not right now. <laughs> we made a joke in the last two weeks that we were like, can we schedule the breakdown? Like, let's just schedule a specific day and a specific time when we're going to have our breakdown, we can have a big family cry. And that's when it will be. And what's funny is we kind of kept pushing it off. Like, is it today? No, it's not today. It's tomorrow. (laughs) And we kind of, but that was our way of kind of like, he would have those moments of going, I don't want to go. And I'm, I'm feeling all the feelings of what I'm leaving and the things that I'm going to miss. And I think, um, Jason, that was one of those things that we kind of had to just sit in the pocket of that for a second. You're going to hear me say that all the time, sit in the pocket. Um, and I, and I'm not going to apologize for saying that a lot because, um, I hope you actually adopt it because I think one of the biggest things as military couples that we both do on both sides is we fail to sit in the pocket okay, of our emotions and what's difficult because so many of what, so much of what we're going through is so hard that it feels like it's too much to process, right? It's too hard to process. And so when you're in that moment of feeling that weight of the emotions of what you're leaving, you don't want to sit in the pocket because it feels like you're going to get lost there and you're going to get overwhelmed. It's the pocket, Jason, The um, he's asking, is it pocket of mindfulness? It does take mindfulness, but I'm actually talking about sitting in the pocket of some of the tough emotions. It's sitting in the pocket of, I'm not necessarily saying negative emotions because I'm not saying that we're kind of spiraling into this negative place. I'm saying that I think as military families, we run the risk of not feeling our emotions enough. Okay. There's two kinds of people. If I could simmer it down into like super simple language, like oversimplifying it, I would say there's two kinds of people. There is the person who sits in the pocket too much, like, like walking through the swamp. And that's what we're usually afraid of. We're going to be walking. It's like walking in rain boots through the swamp where your boots are just getting stuck in the mud. Right. And you just feel like it's taking so much effort to go step to step. And that's what I think we're afraid of sometimes of sitting in that pocket of the negative emotions, the sadness, the guilt, the fear. And it's scary to go there because if you go there, it is like, it's overwhelming. And by the way, those emotions, um, Matt and I were also talking about this. We had a date day out and we were talking about like, we kept like, we kept tearing up, it would come up and then we'd push it down. Right. And that's what I'm meaning. Like we weren't sitting in the pocket of the feelings because we didn't want to like burst into open weeping. Right. And that's understandable. Like there's a time and place for that. Right. But then we started talking about it and we were like, you know what, these are the same feelings of grief right? These are the same feelings of grief. And most people who struggle with grief, um, which is a majority of human beings, um, 
we struggle with grief because we feel like we're going to feel the emotions and get stuck there, that they're going to be so overwhelming that we're never going to come out of it. And so that's the pocket that I'm talking about, Jason, of sitting in the pocket and not being afraid to process those feelings. The key here is that we need to not live in the pocket of those feelings, right? And so grief is actually more like waves hitting a toddler, like ocean waves hitting a toddler. Whether it's the grief of losing someone, processing the grief of losing someone, um, maybe those of you who've lost service members and you deal with survivor's guilt. We have so many service members who have not processed that because we're afraid to tap into the emotions because it's going to be so overwhelming. We're going to get stuck there forever. When grief is actually more like overwhelming waves that are like hitting a toddler. To that toddler, those are big waves, right? And if you haven't been to the beach for a while, those waves are like every fourth wave is like the bigger one, right? And so sometimes waves are like, they're different, different in severity too. But the key here is to remember that you can have a wave of emotion hit you and then it subsides. And then that wave might hit you again, but then it subsides. And that happens previous to us separating too. And that's all it is. It's grief. It's losing the connection, it's losing the closeness, it's losing the nearness of the person that we're saying goodbye to. And that's why it's hard. It's hard because I love this person. I, I'm not wishing this on our family. It's just something that's happening to our family and we have to figure out how to navigate through it. And so all those emotions have purpose. And so one of the things I kept thinking about was the only reason why I'm having all these emotions is because I love so much. And so if I just, so remember when I said there's one person that kind of sits in that pocket and, and really struggles to get out of it, you tend to be somebody maybe who sees all the negatives or sees all the problems, sees um, all of the stress of it all. And that's kind of like your baseline. And it's really hard for you to come out of that and see the good, right? Well, we have another kind of person that usually just skips over the surface. And I think that if I were to simplify it down, like we're one of those. So I'd love to hear in the chat, which one are you? Are you somebody that tends to kind of swim in the negativity and you have a hard time getting out of it? Or are you the kind of person that just would rather just see the positive of everything, maybe not tap into and process your feelings? That feels a little overwhelming or it feels overly negative. Tell me in the chat thread, which one do you lean towards? Because we all lean towards one or the other. Um, I would say that um, I tend to be more of a optimist. Um, and so I sometimes have to like force myself to kind of sit down and journal out all of my feelings, how I'm feeling so that I can actually find my words and figure out like, what is it that I'm actually feeling here? Um, and then um, I wouldn't say Matt is the pessimist, um, but he can tend to, because um, we kind of have learned to practice this on both sides um, and we're getting better and better at it. So tell me in the chat thread, which one do you lean towards? Um, a swimmer here, Shawnee, are you meaning more of the swimming in the pocket? <laughs> swimming? Is that what you're saying rather than the skipping over? Um, let's see. Others swimming in the emotions. And interestingly enough, we marry our opposite, right? We tend to marry our opposite. Very true. Like um, you, an optimist sometimes will marry a pessimist. An introvert will tend to marry an extrovert. It's very true. Um, I think that ripping the Band-Aid part is it being about being able to concentrate on recognizing that the emotions that we're having have purpose. I think that's one of the big things that I want you guys to take away today is that if you're about to go through ripping that Band-Aid or maybe you just did being able to say, you know what? All of those emotions had purpose. Now I may process those emotions different from Matt. Matt channeled them into doing, executing, working around the house because he even told me if I stop, I'm going to get overwhelmed and I'm going to feel it all and it doesn't feel productive. And so I'm just going to do what I can so that when I leave, I can feel like I did everything that I could. And that was me recognizing that's a different way for him to process emotions than for me. For me, interesting, since I tend to be the positive one, right? For me, I had to kind of sit still. I had to sit still and let him do those things for me to kind of 
slow myself and recognize what was happening for me to process, okay, this is a big deal. This is hard, right? This is not something that I would wish upon what we're going through, but I'm going to allow myself because I'm not afraid anymore. Even though I don't want to feel that wave hitting me, I also want to be okay with the fact that this emotion that I'm experiencing right now means connection. So, um, Brene Brown, are you guys familiar with Brene Brown? Any Brene Brown fans out there? I know the USO has worked with Brene Brown in the past. Um, Brene Brown says you cannot selectively one emotion without numbing them all. Okay. You cannot selectively numb one emotion without numbing them all. What that means is, is if you don't allow yourself to feel grief or feel sadness, or if you just don't want to feel anger, or if you want to just numb out the negative emotions, then that means you're going to rob yourself of the ability to also experience joy and connection. That those feelings that we are having leading up to that goodbye and ripping the Band-Aid, even that moment of ripping the Band-Aid, when you're like, here it comes, right? I got to actually say goodbye now, right? Again, there's lots of ways to say goodbye. There's Let's just do it and get it over with. There is let's cry it out. And everybody has different ways of handling that. But if we try to numb it out all completely, then we're also somewhere in our life robbing ourselves of experiencing joy. And the only reason why we are having those emotions anyways is because we feel connection and love. And what better way for us to not only experience our own connection and love within ourselves, you know, experience that within ourselves to be able to go, I love this person. I don't want to do this, right? But even better for you to be able to express it, that that person needs to hear it. Does that make sense, everybody? Does that make sense? Like being able to go to feel it, and to express some level of it, even if it means I have tears running down my face, um, because isn't that better in our family to see the connection on the face of the person standing in front of us than not, and just pretending like this isn't happening? So um, Brittany is saying, yes, that resonates. I'd love to hear from Jason, because I was kind of leaning on Jason a second ago on, um, on what that's like for the service member. And it's hard. And I think my message here is that it's hard because we love. Can we just kind of make that a theme for today? It's hard because this is difficult. It's not easy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, there is more service members in here. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Tell me what I don't know. Tell me what I don't know. I remember when Matt dropped me off for that trip, um, he had to drop me off at, um, Andrews air force base. And when he and the boys left, I had a good cry and then the bandaid was rubbed. Like it was excruciating getting up to that moment. Right. But once we had that goodbye, it was time to shift focus. Right. Um, sometimes let's see some, sometimes it's just easier to not sugarcoat it. So wherever you are, wherever you are, whether you're that person that swims kind of in the negativity or you skip over the surface, the goal here for both sides is to, um, to process and then move out of the pocket, right? Step, dip into that pocket, sit in that pocket for just a moment and then come out, right? Um, I did some, I had the chance to do a different um, talk about a week ago and they were asking me to speak on gratitude. And at first um, I had the opportunity to like do, do some digging. At first when they asked me to speak on gratitude, can I just be honest with you guys that I was like, oh, gratitude, like what a terrible time for me to like, have to do research on gratitude during pre like pre-deployment tension and all that. But of course it was perfect timing. It was perfect timing. And I did this research and here's, what's amazing guys. I found an expert on research or I found an expert on gratitude. And you know, what I found is that research shows they've done all this research that shows that you cannot hold resentment and gratitude at the same time. You cannot hold them both. If you're leveraging gratitude, you cannot also be resentful. That is huge because part of like ripping the bandaid and saying goodbye and acknowledging this unaccompanied tour, this training is, you know, cause I think there's, there's service members out there that as much as they are looking forward to the mission, there is that split feeling of, I really wish that, you know, I had a local job in the civilian sector right now because all this was grand until I had to say goodbye to my family, right? There's some truth to that, right? 
that there's, there can be right beforehand, this feeling of this is not something that I want to do. And maybe a little bit of resentment on both sides of why do we have to do it? Okay. Um, let's see, Jason. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> thank you. Let's see what you've described is my understanding of mindfulness. Stop being afraid of the feelings, feel them. Yes. It takes mindfulness. Um, the spouse will appreciate it. It's absolutely vital that we are empath empathetically ex that we empathetically experience what the other is going through and is going through. That's the, that's probably the bedrock of maintaining a connection while separated. Absolutely. Um, I wrote sacred spaces based off of that trip that I went on. And the whole book is about this role reversal on both sides. You get to hear a little bit from Matt's perspective. You get to hear a little bit from my perspective. And that's exactly what I went into that mission for. So I think this is a really good point for us to talk about after we rip that Band-Aid, how do we shift our focus, right? Because it is time to shift our focus. And that's what I needed to be able to do to be able to look at that. Look who joined us, guys. I don't know if you guys can see this. But um, Matt has just joined the chat and Matt, you need to be able to say it's for um, make this, make it for public for everybody. Instead of all panelists, you've got to be able to say it is for um, all panelists and attendees. So he said it enables us to deeply appreciate those people we often take for granted. Okay. So um, part of that trip, um, hi, I just want to take a moment and say hello to my husband who isn't here, but is here. So it wouldn't be the perfect webinar for him to not surprise us and for me to not also say hello. So um, see the smile that just came on my face? It's called connection, everybody. It is called connection. Okay, so here's the thing. That book that I wrote, and this is not a plug necessarily for the book, but I just wanna say, I wanna make a point to Jason's point that um, a lot of this is about empathy. It's about pausing for just a moment and being able to listen to your other, your spouse's perspective that is very different from yours, right? And be okay with it being different from yours, that we're both going to express those feelings and because we're about to go on two totally different adventures, right? And so we're going to have two totally different sets of emotions about that. Um, different kinds of fears, different kinds of excitement, different kinds of anticipations and expectations. And because of that, we need to be able to leverage empathy, which is the ability to sit in someone else's shoes and think for a moment, what is it like for that person to feel what they're feeling? And then out of that, give grace, right? To give grace somehow in that. So very good. Okay. So we're going to take a second and we are going to shift and talk about, all right, how do we get mission-minded, right? Because I remember in my first deployment, I had um, wonderful mentors. And I'd love to hear from you guys. Tell me um, when you say goodbye, um, and this is going to be for the spouses because I kind of leaned on these service members for just a second. I want to hear from you guys. How much time do you give yourself um, before you start to shift focus and create some new goals and get kind of get mission-minded because as spouses at home, it's important for us to be mission-minded too. You have a mission too, and your world doesn't stop just because they go on a mission that's very different, right? So I know when Matt has to leave, once he could say goodbye, he's mission-focused, right? And it's very common for service members to kind of start checking out even way before that way before that. You start to see them kind of checking out, writing themselves because to Jason's point, you're living in two different places at once. I know we had another service member in here as well. So I hope I'm not missing any comments if you're another service member that's sharing. Um, but um, you're in two different places. So sometimes you're going to be checked out and sometimes you're going to be very present. Sometimes you're going to be checked out and sometimes you're present. And as you get closer, you're kind of shifting your mind mission focused. And I know for Matt, it was a little bit easier to be able to just shift his perspective. As soon as that, that goodbye is there, right? He has to be on mission. That doesn't mean that he doesn't check in, right? Doesn't mean that he doesn't check in. Um, let's see. Matt says, mission-mindedness mind is fueled by beginning with the end in mind. What is our desired end state? What are the conditions we want to affect and change? Mission-mindedness is fueled by beginning with the end in mind. So if we're going to be mission-minded, right? Um, that's We had so many conversations about this, he and I, in the last couple of weeks, talking about like, all right. I even remember this moment where I said, okay, 
Ooh, we've been feeling all these emotions. What are we excited about? We've got to shift our focus, right? We sat in the pocket. Now we need to, to think about not just the positives, but what are we going to be about? And that's kind of, I think what Matt's talking about. He's saying, what is the end in mind? How do we, where do we want to be? Who do we want to become? How do we want to grow? And that was one of the th reasons why we were like, all right, let's talk about what we are excited about. And yes, we talked about the adventures on both sides. He talked about how um, he, his was a lot of that beginning with the end in mind. He talked about what he wanted to work on with the kids. And we'll get to that in just a minute. He talked about a lot of his, um, mindfulness on wanting to self-development, the books that he wanted to read, the time he wants to get to work out. Um, COVID kind of wrecked a lot of people's plans when it came to like physical fitness goals, right? And that's something that I know both he and I were excited about. So we were started talking about like, where do we want to be in six to nine months, even a year from now, past deployment, past this time of separation, where is it that we want to be, right? And who do we want to become? And who do we want to become together? And then backwards plan is what he's saying, right? Backwards plan, what's your desired end state? And then what do we need to do so that we actually reach those goals, right? So, so great. All right, so, so you guys are doing a great job in the chat thread. Let's see. Um, Jason says, my struggle while gone has always been to resist saying, just make the mind in reference to the kids. I need to recognize that she has 10,000 other things sucking away her energy. Great job, Jason. Good job. Good job of being able to, to be empathic, right? Um, let's see, Heidi, for me, it's one to two days. And for my service member, it's right after he leaves. Very good. Okay. So when I was talking about how much time does it take, right? Heidi's saying it takes her a couple days. You're, it, and that's different too, right? So for the service member, as soon as we say goodbye, they can be on mission. Whereas I think for us back at home, it kind of like takes us a little bit, right? It takes us a little bit. Um, I would agree um, that I tend to crash a little bit. Um, I did in the last week have this thought that one of the things that I tried to do this time that I wasn't able to like stick with it, but it did make a difference when I tried, okay? I started to think about what is... Um, what are the things that after he goes, that makes me feel better that I, um, what are the things that I'm looking forward to starting? Like I knew I wanted to get back to my physical fitness goals. I wanted to be able to, um, have that alone time to be able to process my thoughts and journal and whatever. And so I started thinking about those things and I had this thought, like, why am I not doing that now? Unlike some of the most difficult weeks when I probably really need those things, right? So I actually tried to implement this time a little bit better. Those things that I want knew that I was going to kind of create as my new routine, I tried to implement them before he even left. And that actually, especially the days I was able to do it, made a huge difference. And I remember having this kind of, I'm going to make a note of this is what I said to myself. I'm going to make a note that this actually made my day better and that if I can do this more, then it actually sets me hopefully up for more success after he goes, because I'm going to want to do it that much more. So that was helpful. But I do agree what actually ended up happening is that I crashed. Um, I did crash because there's just so much emotion. And then for you, for, I think for the spouses at home, especially if you have kids, I know that there are some that might be watching that don't have kids. Maybe you have a job, but kind of like life keeps going, right? Like you've got kids that need to get up the next day. You've got like dinner. You got to think about there are things um, that you've got to be able to process and then, um, and you things you've got to execute still. And so there really is no way to just kind of like, you know, for them, I think there's a lot of sitting and waiting and traveling. And, and rest that can happen. And I think that can be a little bit more difficult for the spouses back at home, especially if they have kids to get that necessary rest in, especially when emotionally you've been through something so much. And then I think we need to give ourselves that time to crash. Okay. So tell me just for a minute, tell me what sabotages, what are some lessons learned? I'm going to pull from some of the wisdom in the room here. What are some lessons learned that you have learned to not do after you've ripped that band-aid? Those of you who need to crash or those that are mission focused and service members, tell me what you have learned to not do that first week. What was not helpful um, honor your spouse in these, um, in these comments here. So don't throw your, talk only for yourself. Okay. But what has not worked, um, that you said, okay, I'm not going to do that again. 
or maybe you learned from somebody else that you know is definitely not good for you for that first week. So for me, I know just completely binging, a little bit of binging is okay on uh, ice cream or whatever, but I know overdoing it is not worth it. Um, I've learned that lesson. So what has been something for you guys Um, And I think there's a little bit of that ripping the bandaid on the other side where you're like, okay, like we cross the finish line. I'm going to give myself that grace to just have that ice cream, you know, for me it's popcorn. Like I could totally binge on popcorn. I'm a salt person. Um, Tell me eating too much ice cream, watching too many series on Netflix, like completely checking out. I'm hearing that as something that you've learned to not do sit in that a little bit. I could actually see on both sides, making yourself overly busy and not slowing down. And maybe that's about acknowledging. I think that's something that I needed to do better um, is that um, it's really easy to keep yourself busy and not acknowledge that you just went through something really, really challenging that most people in the world or our culture don't have to go through. Like how many civilians, I mean, there's lots of civilians out there that have jobs that are traveling. We have lots of families that are contractors that kind of have deployments, right? So there are other people that go through similar things. But I think it's really hard when you're talking about longer stints of time, our brain can just, it just cannot comprehend the, how is it that we're saying goodbye to this person? We don't want to say goodbye to for a really long time. Uh, It just doesn't make sense. And so it's not like that. We're actually losing that person. That person isn't dying, right? We're just saying goodbye for a, a period of time. And so it's kind of, it kind of mixes things up, but it's really easy to just kind of fit fill that time afterwards with busyness and ignore what you just went through. When sometimes you have to pause and acknowledge, even if you don't feel it yet, that you just went through something that was really long and drawn out. Unless you're one of those who had like a rapid response um, deployment that um, acknowledging this was like borderline traumatic to my emotions, right? Like this was a big deal. We went through something really intense, whether we wanted to acknowledge it or not. And I need to give myself some time. I need to give myself some time. How, how much time do you give yourselves? And there's no wrong answer on this. How much time do you give yourselves? I know my first deployment, I gave myself like two weeks. I think the second, and I had young kids at the time. I think that was realistic. Two weeks not to be like in bed all day, um, but it was more like, I'm going to give myself two weeks to not set some extreme goals just to slow down a little bit. Um, I think this one, um, I have, you know, I I'm giving myself a a good week or so. Um, tell me how often you two weeks to get a reset, um, is what some of you are saying. Um, how many of you guys, I know one from above said one to two days, to kind of, and I think it's a, don't you think it's a process for everybody, right? Just like for the service member, when you are, you know, when you're traveling, you go, there's lots of ways to travel, right? Depending on what branch you're in, but there's these phases of travel before you like even get to your destination. And once you get to your destination, then there is that adjustment and the assimilation and assimilation into the group that you're going to be with. And then finding those, you know, battle buddies, those friends, you know, who you're going to align yourselves with, um, for support. Um, <laughs> Matt says two weeks in quarantine for him this time, <laughs> which is a whole other level of like how COVID has impacted all of this, right? Um, maybe two weeks is actually the, the more like appropriate of what we should actually give ourselves. But I think that's, that's kind of what I'm saying here is that for both sides, there has to be kind of this transition time, right? So maybe just like the service member has like a day of traveling here, then the second day of different kind of traveling here. And then there's like all these different kinds of elements. And then there's the adjustment, there's phases. Maybe for the spouses back at home, we need to give ourselves um, some, um, some phases to go through too, right? Instead of going either I'm jumping into my new mission mindset, which we're going to be transitioning here soon into that. Um, but maybe we go through phases. You give yourself 24, 48 hours to crash in whatever way is appropriate, depending on if you have kids to take care of and all that. And then you kind of transition into, okay, now I'm going to like, but I think it's important that we do this in advance. You've got to think about this in advance. If you live on accident, things aren't going to get done and it's not going to go the way that you need it to go. I think you have to go into this intentionally and go, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my, and it can adjust. It can adjust just like the service member, like hurry up and wait. 
you know, planes take off at odd times and then you're going and then you're not going and you're sitting around like things are changing. Right. But you can still have, this is what I'm going to do for myself until I have the next little bit of information. Um, let's see, Matt, you're going to have to expand on the storming, forming, or norming. I know you use that a lot, but expand on what you mean and tying it in. Okay. So let's see. Um, Brittany says, I like that Jason said, um, 14 days and who thought 14 days in a Marriott could be so bad. Um, mental note, those of you service members who have to go through two weeks of quarantine, make your mental notes that when you come home, right? Um, obviously, depending on what's happening with COVID, we want to stay safe, but a couple of days in a hotel of sleeping goes a long way. Matt did that for me on the first deployment and it was huge. So make note when you're in quarantine. <laughs> All right. Brittany says it's taking me a long time to realize that something traumatic happened and it's possible to be strong. And then boom, you crash, go through it. I'm fine. And now, okay. All right. So acknowledge it. Give yourself a couple days to acknowledge it. Take care of yourself, self-care, sleep, um, eating as best as you can. Give yourself um, some time. And then maybe the next phase that you proactively plan in advance is what am I going to do after that 48 hours, right? Um, what are you going to do with the kids? How are we going to just turn things a little bit more intentional? Doesn't mean you have to go start training for a marathon then, right? But it can mean we're going to circle the wagons as a family. We're going to, one of the things that we plan to do with the kids um, that I plan to do with the kids is sitting down with them within the first couple weeks and sitting down and going, okay, um, what do each of you need? Now I have older kids, they're teenagers, but I think you can do this with small kids too, is being able to go, all right, um, let's see, what can I, um, talk with my kids about and go, what do you need? What do you need? And what do I need? How can I help you get what you need? So if I have a kid, that's like, I really just need to check out a little bit and not think about it. That's good to know. Right. Um, I asked my kids this morning, like, what do you need tonight to look like? Right. So, and I'm going to try to do that for the first couple of weeks. What do you need today to look like now? My kids can take advantage of that and go video game time. That's what I need. And you know what? There's This is a grace period. And so we might be a little bit more relaxed as long as we're taking care of schoolwork and all of those kinds of things um, to offer that grace. But the point here is that we have these phases that we go through that help us evolve to the place where we can then be on mission. Does that make sense? Right. So I think spouses especially need to work a little bit more on what is your proactive plan to, um, especially those of you who are, are the personality that are going to kind of sit in the pit, right. That sit in the pocket too much, because if you're not careful, some of you can kind of get stuck in the negativity. And some of you struggle with that loneliness. Some of you struggle with the negativity of it. And then if we're not careful, we get stuck there and we build a house there and then we're not experiencing joy and connection in our life. So we have to proactively plan goes back to that gratitude that I was meeting before. How am I going to now shift focus and actually leverage gratitude to, to shift focus into a better place where I'm now going to be on mission. Okay. All right. Let's see. So a couple of you guys had said it takes you a couple days. Um, it takes you, um, now I want to hear, um, those of you who are either in a deployment, we kind of touched on this briefly, um, in the last webinar, but now I want to hear from you guys what is your mission mindset? Because I think that you have to have, like Matt and I talked about in the beginning, being able to go, what is it that we're looking forward to? What is it that we're going to do? And then being able to decide for ourselves, like, when do we start that? Like, I know um, one of the things that Matt said as he was walking out the door was that he was going to start then doing his best to eating healthy because he was ready to kind of start doing that. I'm wondering how that's going traveling because finding healthy food is def definitely difficult, but that's part of the adjustment, right? The point is that you have the goal and that you have the intention and then you can adjust as you need to go. So we already have some missions coming in. Share with me your missions because I'm learning from you guys. I want to hear your missions. Um, okay, Shawnee, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you, and you I know that you're just be joking, but there are so many out there that would give that answer of my mission is survival, right? So I know that you're just joking on that because you got LOL on there, right? But I'm gonna challenge you for the sake of everybody else that might be listening, even those that are listening after this is not live anymore and it's recorded. I want to hear from you. Um, dig a little deeper and tell me, see if you can expand on either what your mission has actually become or what you want it to become. 
income. How can you see your time as even during COVID? Those of you who are listening right now who are we're all impacted by COVID, I'm hoping someday someone will listen to this recording and it won't be COVID anymore. But um, it's a good chance it's going to stick around for a while. So let's talk about that for a second. For so many people, it can feel like survival, right? It can feel like um, just waiting for everything to happen to us. And deployment, trainings, unaccompanied tours, geobatching even can feel like this is just stuff that's happening to us. COVID feels like it's happening to us. Matt wouldn't have to be in a two-week quarantine if there wasn't COVID. It's this external thing that is happening to us, right? And so if we're not careful, we are going to be focused on that negativity of just surviving what is happening to us instead of the mindset, starting with the end in mind, like Matt said, and instead deciding, all right, there are some things that are happening to me, but what am I going to do to now shift my focus and be grateful for what I do have? This is where the gratitude piece comes in because they found in this research that gratitude actually makes you more stress resistant. Notice it did not say resilient. I I really am against that word. If you know me, you know that by now. I really don't like resilient because resilient, the definition of resilient is to bounce back. I don't know about you. I don't want to bounce back to what I was before. Like I'd rather bounce forward to something new that's hopefully better, right? So I want to bounce forward. That's why I don't like resilient. It just sounds like just get over it, right? But this research actually said that you can be more stress resistant, that people um, recovered from stress faster and they recovered from trauma faster when they practiced gratitude. Now, again, note that I am saying that gratitude is not slapping a Band-Aid on it, like skipping over the surface, like we talked about, and just being positive about everything and not paying attention to our emotions because our emotions equal connection, right? We don't want to numb those out. So we've got to be able to process our emotions in a healthy way, and then we leverage gratitude. Do you see the difference? So I love that, Brittany. Step back, reflect, and reframe. So good, right? So good. So you've got to be able to process it and leverage gratitude, and it actually makes you more stress-resistant because, again, you can't hold resentment and gratitude at the same time. And we can leverage the gratitude to help us make our new goals. So I'm going back to you, Shawnee, if you're still with us, and tell me what can be your mission? What can we be grateful for? I am grateful for the time I get with my kids. I am grateful for the time that I get to spend having dinner with them every night. And so that means I can leverage that and turn that into my mission. My mission can be the the tabletop conversations. There's these cards that you can get on Amazon. I will um, make sure to send the link out to it, but there's these tabletop um, questions like dinner time questions that you can just like pull out a card and it's uh, conversation starters that you can do with your kids. That can be part of your mission. That uh, my mission, given my circumstances, this thing that is happening to me, I'm going to choose to be grateful for the things that I can see And instead, I'm going to focus on building my relationship with my kids and making that deeper. Make sense? Thank you, Laura. Oh, that was perfect timing. She put tabletopics.com is where you can get that. Um, Let's see. Some of you are saying um, sometimes depending on the situation, survival is the right size goal. Level of experience, one's perspective, available resources, all determine whether you should reach higher. Many times we grow when we don't realize we are doing so. The survival goal two years ago enables a better goal now. Love that. Love that so much. Yes. Some of you, and you know, I kind of reference Maslow's ladder a lot. I love Maslow's ladder because I think it's huge for um, military families because we, uh, Maslow's ladder was just very briefly, it's just a, a theory of how we develop as human beings and how we reach our higher purpose and having a sense of peace in our life and being able to see our full potential. Okay. Maslow said we are all striving for that. But what he figured, what he saw was that. Um, we have these different levels of needs and he calls it the higher, the, um, the hierarchy of needs, right? And he's the very bottom rung of the ladder is physiological needs that we all need food, shelter, sleep, sex is in there. Um, and there's one other one in there, but we need a roof over our heads. That's why when we PCS, right, it pushes us to that very bottom rung of the ladder 
right? And so we kind of have to work our way up. The next one, by the way, is routine, right? Routine and structure. And I think that when we find ourselves saying goodbye and ripping the Band-Aid, we're kind of shoved to that ladder, that um, ladder rung of structure and safety and needing security that I can do this you can do this and we can do it from here and there, right? And so we're trying to figure out our new routine and our new structure. And so there are going to be times in COVID and your health and, or if you're going through a medical scare, there are going to be times that you're going to find yourself in that survival place and at that bottom rung of physiological needs. And some of you who have very, very small children, small children, like the biggest thing you need right now is a nap, right? You just need a nap, you know, and that feels like survival. And I felt like at that time, it was, that was my survival of that season. And so you are right that there are times that you've got to be able to just survive. And that's, that's what matters. However, I think that there are times that we also be able, we need to be able to survive that moment and then pull ourselves out of that pocket and then leverage that gratefulness. And again, I know I'm using gratitude here, guys. And again, before I did this research, I was like, that is such an overly simplified, easy way to just slap some positivity on there. And it's not real. Like I totally understand that that's what it may come across to you guys. And I'm telling you, I am not usually that person, but I have to pay attention to research when it comes out. And, and if it says that you cannot hold gratitude and resentment at the same time, that means to me, if I also am paying attention to Brene Brown's research that says you cannot selectively numb one emotion without numbing them all, then that means that gratitude can also be the answer for sadness. It can also be the answer for loss. It doesn't mean it replaces it. Maybe that's what a lot of people think gratitude is, is that we're just ignoring it and replacing it. That's not what it means. It means we're shifting our focus. We're processing, shifting our focus. And then we're going to find ourselves back there like waves hitting a toddler. And then we shift our focus. It's a tool. Think of it like a tool. Okay. All right. So, um, I want to hear more about your missions. What are your missions that you are, um, that you are facing forward on? I know um, Matt and I definitely did talk about our, I mean, then just a minute, I would love to transition. If there's questions, if you guys have actual questions, we're trying to pay attention to some of the questions that you guys, um, put in your registrations as well. So I'll try to get some of those, even if they're a little bit off topic, Brian says that they tried a daily gratitude board, but the kids resented doing it. Brian, I just want to say, um, you know what modeling for our kids, we may not realize what they pick up along the way. Right. So being able to, um, model it, even if your kids aren't totally into it, they're still picking up on some things. It's giving that level of grace with your kids and just being able to say, um, you know, like this may not be totally for you. I'm not going to force it on you. Um, but it is something that we're going to try to practice. So don't underestimate as long as we're not forcing and over-regulating our kids. Um, but introducing them to this tool all the time is definitely helpful. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Um, some of you have, a, um, Brittany says she has a positivity jar. I think that's great. Um, I've seen that work during deployments as well. Let me hear some of your mission. How do we stay on mission? Okay. I want to hear a little bit more about being able to, I want to hear from the service members, what your mission is and how do you stay on mission? Cause we have some great service members that are here with us today. What do you do to be mission minded? Um, and, and still connecting back at home. Cause I hear that as a concern a lot from spouses at home. That's everybody's different, right? Everybody's marriage is different. Sometimes you have a couple that's very engaged, very involved, very um, um, present conversations. And our technology is better than ever. I mean, here's a perfect example. Matt is joining us from wherever, um, you know, whereas before we would not have had this technology. And so technology is much different, but we still have a lot of couples who struggle with that connection where the service member and some of them are, I'm not talking about those that have um, where you cannot call home, where there's um, OPSEC reasons that you can't connect back at home. I'm not talking about those kind of examples, but we do have a lot of couples that struggle with um, 
being able to stay mission focused and they don't want to connect back at home because either it's too hard or they don't know what to say or they don't know how to do it in a way that is productive. Um, so I want to hear from the service members for just a minute about how do you proactively think about being mission-minded and staying focused on what you need to focus on wherever you are and still stay connected back at home. And then I'm going to read this comment here. Um, Carrie said that going back to the gratefulness that after she listens to her kids and gives them a chance to acknowledge their feelings, um, that, um, she then asks them to tell me what they're, tell her what they're grateful for. That's a great idea. I'm going to leverage that. Thank you, Carrie. Um, I'm going to definitely going to do that at the table. I had some, um, I think I mentioned this last time, but I had another person give me an idea where like every Thursday night for them was gripe night where you get to complain and share whatever it is that you need to feel and you're not going to get in trouble for your feelings kind of thing. Um, great chance to decompress. Um, and, and, and I think it's also, can I just say this to that point that I, it is okay for your kids to see your emotions during all this. Again, we don't want to swim in, in the swamp. We don't want to swim in that pocket forever. You know, we need to model for our kids that we can have feelings and then pull ourselves out of those feelings. Um, but it's really good and important for your kids to see that you have emotions too about all this on both sides. The kids need to see from the service members the emotion of you um, missing them, even if that's tearful. Again, tears are connection. We don't need to push them down all the time. Um, and that gives them permission to have feelings too. So don't be afraid to show some of those feelings. Um, all right, Shawnee, let's see. She was on the mentioned survival, so she's coming back. Um, so she's got a second grader surviving virtual school. I hear you. I'm totally um, understanding surviving school dynamics right now is incredibly difficult. Um, she has a four-year-old also, though. Um having patience for your kids, working on fitness, slowly doing a task a week, and then back to work in January. Um, and so, yes, that's so, thank you for, for, um, being able to also share what your mission is. That's what I'm reading that as. So you have the survival thing. And sometimes if we have too big of a mission that we've planned, we put ourselves into a place of survival, right? Um, I was having um, a session with someone this morning where we were talking about that. Like we were talking about what's your new mission? How are you going to be mission-minded? And there were so many things on her plate and she was taking on so many things things with the kids too, that there was no way for her to actually succeed at the mission, right? So we had to kind of revamp it. We had to talk about like, is this a realistic mission? What can we adjust here? What can the kids take on in responsibility? What can you let go of? What can you say no to so that your mission actually succeeds and you don't feel like you're surviving, right? So there are some kinds of survival that we put ourselves into that place. I know, and Matt could attest on here that I have, I have, successfully put myself in places where I found myself surviving and it was because of decisions I made. Right. So we can do that to ourselves. What is your mindset? Like how, what, how do you focus on the mission and still stay connected? This is what Matt said. This is especially for those who listen to this recorded later, who can't see the chat. He said, um, his mindset is that his excellence in his vocation provides for his family and that healthy boundaries for a family investment model, what others need is what others need to see from a leader. So that's what he's telling himself. He's saying that by me going and doing this and being excellent at it, not only provides for his family, so that's one way that he's staying connected and he's reminding himself. And he reminded us of this a lot. And he really vision cast this for our boys before he left. He, he sat us down actually and did what I would call a briefing, <laughs> which we actually enjoyed. But being able to say, Here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to have to do it. Here's the role that I'm playing. And he did this on a kid appropriate level. And he cast vision so that they could understand where he was going. They could ask questions of like, to the best of his knowledge, what was his living conditions going to be, be like? Here's what was very interesting. My oldest son, who is remembering back to our first deployment, um, we didn't know this until Matt was casting vision and asking, do you have any questions about where I'm going and what it's going to 
to be like. We had no idea. Our son doesn't remember a whole lot of the other deployments when he was small, but he actually was remembering a picture, we think, because a lot of kids don't remember that those big chunks of time when they're really, really tiny. So that's an encouragement to those of you who have small children um, that they won't remember a lot of the day-to-day tough stuff of the deployment the way that you're remembering it. But he's remembering a picture that he saw of Matt during a deployment in Afghanistan that was in the mountains. And so his 16-year-old brain was thinking that Matt was going to be going to live on an edge of a cliff, which is so not at all what what deployment was or what it's going to be, right? But because Matt sat down and cast vision, he was able to then paint a better picture for the family so the kids could picture it differently. And Matt is now saying he's using that, um, that this provides for my family. And he told that to the kids too. This is how we get to do the things that we get to do. And it has some really kind of sucky parts, right? There's some sucky parts of this lifestyle, but here's the things that we're grateful for. Notice the gratitude in that. This provides for my family. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or LifeGiver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.